Hello, thank you for joining us for this episode of Freecast, the podcast from Remit Consulting. In this episode, you'll get the traditional roundup of the news, including hot off the press, remark and return figures. We'll also be joined by our very own PropTech guru to answer the question on everyone's lips. Where does PropTech fit at the dinner table? I'm pretty good. How are you guys? Yeah, very good. I'm well as well. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining me again um, to record Recast. What's been what's been happening in the news this month? Uh, I'll jump right in. There's, I feel like people know that it's happened. So COP26, I feel like there's so much going on, people to read and so many debates coming out. I'm just going to point out like a, one thing I think is pretty interesting and pretty relevant to what we're about to talk about. I think there's this debate coming out about how are we actually going to fix the climate crisis and can we trust human nature or are we going to rely on the tech to do it? A couple of people who spoke on this, Guy Granger, he's the head of sustainability services and ESG for JLL. And he said that he's warning property companies which are ignoring net zero goals, that they may not get loans if they don't actually start making positive changes. But he had high hopes that human nature was going to pull us through. On the other side, uh, Greg Smithies, he wrote for EG on this, saying that he thinks new innovations in tech is the key. So I think this is a really interesting debate as to what's actually going to drive us through. I will say that there's a podcast in the making from us on ESG and all things related. So if you do have any insights from COP26, anything you want to discuss or opinions to share, do get in touch. Um, we'd love to hear from you. That that debate that you've mentioned there, Emily, is really interesting because about uh, roughly a month ago, I was at an event with BizNow. Oh, yeah. And they had a, a fab panel um, on ESG with some really, really interesting people on it. Um, but one of the one of the really nasty kind of uh, questions that I I asked was um, what proportion of investment in healthy buildings and, and doing these things is for the, you know, the so-called right reasons and how much is literally about returns on investment. So I think it's really mm-hmm. interesting that Guy Granger's uh, drawn that out and said, yeah, it's, you know, it'd be lovely to see people doing the right thing, but actually it might come down to the fact that their businesses won't be able to get financial support and things like that because other uh, industries are focused more on on this kind of thing than the property industry itself. Yeah, totally. Uh, I think it's, I mean, I could go on for ages on this. I think it's a topic that so many people ha- are so passionate about and we just need to find a way to all pull together. But yeah, how how do we all do that? It's interesting stuff. Lots yeah, to think about. Don't go on about it now because that's the ESG podcast. Done. Yes, I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> a sneak preview. <laughs> Hold me back. <laughs> rain or in, rain or in. <laughs> we'll just pop her on mute because we are still recording this remotely. <laughs> True. Uh, I've actually got one on my list as well, which is um, the IKEA on Oxford Street um, deal that we spoke about a couple of podcasts ago, where IKEA has now actually set in motion work to take over the former Topshop flagship store on Oxford Street. And it was a £378 million deal. And it's looking set to open in autumn of 2023. So if you do want to be carrying your Billy bookcase down Oxford Street, pop it in your diaries. Also got some news on Remark and Return, the research from Remit Consulting. 
So we've had those figures out recently. So the rent collection for September quarter day plus 35 days was up 85.2% overall, that compared to 78.6% for the June quarter. So that's really good news that we're getting up to those high numbers. What I thought was really interesting was the rent collection from leisure properties was uh, at 81.7%. It was actually higher than for retail properties, and that's that's a first. And the return to the office gathers pace. Put some figures out recently for the week ending the 19th of November, and the average for the West End was 31.9%. That's two weeks on the bounce that it's been over 30%, which is, is really good. London overall was 23.3%. It wasn't as high in Docklands and City and Midtown was, was down in the mid-teens again. So, But the West End seems to be leading the way. And overall, London is higher than the national average, which was 23.1% of office space occupied. So good news. Cool. It'll be really interesting to see how um, both the remark figures about rent collection and the return figures about office occupancy, how they change going into the festive period as well. Mm, um, and obviously that. with Black Friday. Um, I've got one other thing to say uh, news-wise. So there's an event coming up by EG. The Their are events on this, which has been their future female leaders events. They've run for a little while now, um, dating back to pre-COVID. But the next one, the event itself is happening on the 7th of December, but this is now just a future leaders event. So shifting the focus slightly, um, more focus on diversity and it's set to be a really good event. I went to the last Future Female Leaders event and I'm going to this one as well. I'm very excited. So you can register for that online. It's free to register. So it should be a good one. We, we've been uh, blitzing the events, um, the Rumit team. And I know that members of our team also attended the UK Prop Tech Association Awards um, a couple of weeks back. We were very proud, got a couple of sort of remit contacts that won awards. I think um, our friend Dan Hughes got a special achievement award. I know Equiem, I believe, won diversity award. So really exciting. And um, talking of prop tech, that which is the, the theme for today's episode, I know it's a it's a buzzword that's been around forever since since before data was a buzzword. And way back in 2018, today's guest and I wrote an article for the Remit newsletter entitled, Have You Reached Peak, Peak Prop Tech? Which is a tongue twister in itself. And in that article, we kind of discussed the fact that everyone, everyone was using the word. Not everyone was entirely confident in what they meant by it. And um, there was a survey conducted by Trident and the RICS, which found 95% of property firms wanted to adopt prop tech but only 59% of them had actually done so. And we, we kind of talked about this gap between intention and actual adoption and uh, why that might be and how we could try and fix it. So I thought it would be really nice now, oh, three years on, to have a chat with someone who really knows their stuff on the matter um, and find out how we've progressed and what we can do, what value we can gain from PropTech and things like that. So without further ado, I would like to welcome our PropTech guru, Joel Swisser, to fill us in. Hi, Joel. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Hi, Emily. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks so much for joining us today uh, to talk a bit about PropTech as our resident PropTech guru. How does that title settle with you? Oh, absolutely love it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me join you all today. So just like to get us started, can you give us a bit of a background story, as you will? So what got you interested in prop tech? Like, how did you get to where you are now? And maybe like, do you have a favourite piece of prop tech? Is it the kind of thing where you can have a favourite one? 
This is going to be good. I'm looking forward to this, Joel. <laughs> I've definitely got some in mind. Um, so I started um, within the technology uh, department at Remit working on tech-driven projects, actually most of them being sort of larger projects uh, relating more to sort of IT and system implementations uh, and, and planning ahead for those projects. So dealing with the more core systems uh, in the field of technology, uh, but alongside that was made uh, highly aware, already had some insight towards, but through conversations with both um, Andrew Waller and, and Mark Jones at the time at Remit Consulting was sort of the highlight of the prop tech market was, was shown to me and the importance of it. And so did ongoing research into that space alongside those larger um, systems projects that I worked on. So by research, uh, I mean, you know, um, keeping up to date on regular blogs, articles, attending some of the big uh, prop tech events, future prop tech, MIPIM prop tech, and so on. Uh, and so really developing my knowledge in that area. And I think the, the real driver behind it is firstly, the industry is changing and prop tech is, is definitely becoming more uh, at the front, the, the front face of property, I'd say, um, more so than it has been previously. But I refer to those core systems projects. Uh, we're seeing now more and more involvement from prop tech solutions um, surrounding those core systems that property companies use so and, and a larger appetite uh, amongst property companies to building them in within both their direct investment plans and, and also their plans for their own internal IT projects and so on so this this large interest amongst property uh, is what grew my appetite to find out more about the prop tech sector but uh, coupled with that I also have just a natural and general interest in technology always from a child very into my gadgets oh, both at home tech and, man. yeah I'm, I'm named at tech as tech man back home <laughs> uh, and I've worked previously uh, for a startup company where a uh, property startup company where we we looked at uh, a number of innovative ways to use technology to increase efficiency for the business so my interest grew further then as well. Um, and also uh, during my master's at Cass Business School, which was in real estate, uh, we were using uh, prop tech related tools such as Argus and so on. Uh, and there was a bit of a, a, for a running forum there amongst uh, some of the students around technology initiatives and property. So Joel, this might be a bit of a silly question, or it might just be that I don't know. But could you give a little bit of insight into what the current prop tech landscape looks like? And like, are there any like current trends that you wanted to draw attention to? Yeah, so uh, actually I was at CRE Tech uh, a couple of weeks back. So managed to gauge a good picture of the most recent flavours of the month. But generally in today's prop tech world, uh, there seems to be a lot of focus and a rise in competitors within the customer space. So customer um, engagement platforms are an area of large focus and attention by property companies now looking to engage more with their tenants, looking to bridge the gap between uh, understanding appetites to property preferences to, uh, you know, uh, also assisting in efficiencies between tenants and managing their billing and so on through to a communications platform uh, within properties and um, between landlords, tenants and their property managers. So the customer experience platforms is definitely one which has risen in its popularity, in addition to expanding on CRM, so customer relationship management functionality, which incorporates ability to have customer portals set up for property companies to take advantage of. In addition, we're seeing a lot happening in the data, in the areas of data management at the moment, 
with the rise of data warehouse solutions and uh, reporting tools as well that sit on top of them. So there are a number of players in that space that were at CRE Tech that have come over from the US. Um, so data being one area, customer being another. And also um, in, in the world of ESG, because there's a lot of prop tech innovations in that space, there's a specific focus on uh, climate goals. And of course, you know, with companies and, and countries having the objectives of achieving climate goals by 2050 or, or even sooner in, in, in some respects, there are a number of um, prop tech solutions focusing on achieving those goals uh, that have um, that property companies and, you know, senior boards have a large appetite towards adopting now um, in order to, you know, meet those expectations um, and um, reach their own corporate governance goals. Wow. As a very much self-claimed non-tech man, I would love to just find out about that's the background. Like, where are we going in the future? Like, how can we move prop tech from something that everyone knows about and is really exciting to things that people are really going to want to implement? Like, how can we convince people to make that step and close that gap between people wanting to implement and people actually implementing? Like, how do we make that change? Uh, I think there's a huge, well, firstly, change management piece that needs to be considered and, and pushed towards the top of the pile when it comes to improvements, programs and projects for clients. Uh, so it's something that should be marked out and, and proposed to clients at the start of, of any sort of program, because it's it's key to get buy-in from key stakeholders for those projects into how uh, prop tech can assist their everyday uh, lives in their role, uh, and also uh, how it's going to add value across improvement projects around their core systems or around their processes that you know be it they may be looking to improve. Uh, so there's that. And I think there's also a wider educational piece that um, it's key to communicate early on for a sort of client in improvement projects around awareness and also gathering appetite for different areas of, I'd say, focus on innovation as opposed to technology, which mm-hmm. can then lead to, OK, well, this technology can support that in order to identify mm-hmm. the right solutions in the prop tech market, you know, running um initial future proofing and innovation sessions with clients to as I say, gauge appetite uh, and make them aware of what's out there at the moment really helps. So from what you're saying, it seems, and correct me if I'm wrong, that when you are thinking about prop tech and its role in a project or how it can help a client, is it a parallel with the business itself or can the prop tech solution itself drive the change? Is it something where prop tech can like drive the change and everything else follows or is it something that really has to move as one i'd say it depends on the core objectives of, of, okay. of the business and the drivers as to what i'd say change is the fundamental driver and it's what do they want to change so if you know they're having um they're being held back in their surveying activities for example uh, and i know you asked earlier what my favorite prop tech is and it's actually this one i'd say at the moment which is uh, inspections applications um, juicy nugget from joel there, there we yeah go. <laughs> um so if the driver is you know to improve as you know survey day-to-day surveying on-site activities uh then essentially in my eyes prop tech is going to drive the change there because okay. you know these although some of the larger it systems uh suppliers that you know the property companies use for their property management systems and accounting solutions also have offerings in this space it's largely a prop tech driven initiative and there are a realm of prop tech um, suppliers in 
for example, that space for ins providing inspection support through, uh, you know, a mobile or tablet application uh, and automating the entire process. So it largely comes down to what, what are the object objectives? Um, if we're talking more about finance and budgeting and forecasting, for example, or, or just, um, you know, um, maintaining uh, lease data, then, you know, you're looking more at the larger systems market. Some of those um, uh, big providers like MRI, Yardi, and so on that, you know, have the full stack of maintaining day-to-day uh, -day, uh, property finance and, and lease data. But if we're looking at some of the efficiency gains in regards to workflow, automation, and so on, uh, then in my eyes, you know, there, there is the potential of having a prop tech driven project for a client. So, Joel, you keep drawing the distinction between prop tech and systems. Um, and I know it's something that we talked about, um, we've talked about all through when, where people aren't quite sure where the boundary is. Where would you draw it? Good question, Kat. Um, I would, in my head at least, I draw it at, at any point in which, um, so one of the larger systems has to focus on the core um, property data that is collected by a property company uh, or, you know, it could be a property manager or an investor uh, and sort of has a core database within it that enables, uh, it's a centralised database enabling reporting, uh, enabling transactions uh, linked to the core business function of property, you know, which is, you know, maintaining leases, uh, properties as well from an investment angle. So we, we then turn to the different um, subject areas that we like to, you know, consult our clients on in terms of the, the process model structure that we use. So, you know, asset management, um, even up to fund management, uh, and also then down to property management um, functions as well. Any system that covers that core property and finance functionality, I put in the in the bracket of a core property system. Uh, and then beyond that, in my mind at least, I then tap into the world of prop tech when it comes to any applications that can either sit around those core discipline areas and support it. Um, so, you know, that might be through workflow efficiencies, automation, uh, or also one-off subject areas that one-off tools can focus in on, like inspections or even some of the um, facilities management applications that are out there. And interestingly enough, there is also a crossover point I see there in the facilities management sector between some of the core um, CAFM systems. So it stands for Computer Aided Facilities Management, which um, maintains quite a lot of you know, uh, structured data around their uh, property companies' facilities uh, and, and building information. Um, but then you sort of carve out the prop tech sector around that when it comes to some of the day-to-day -day handling tools that can be managed on smartphones today, such as um, uh, Plantific is one example, which is a, a prop tech company. It's had quite a lot of traction over recent times enabling facilities managers to um, sort of tag their assets uh, and view workflows associated with them on site. And the data that comes in from that can then be fed into the core CAFM solution. So to me, it's very much core system with a database behind it being stored on all the workforces or accessed by all the workforce on their day-to-day -day computers. And then these focused solutions around the edges that enable more uh, efficiency gains around those systems. 
So if I'm if I'm gonna uh, pull way away from property and systems and just give like a basic analogy, correct me if I'm wrong, but but your systems are like your main course, and then your prop tech is like your side dishes and your spices that kind of come together to make it all really quite good. Couldn't have put it better. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I like the addition of spices as well because it's not just about supporting your main course with a nice uh, starter or a dessert. You know, it's the flavour on top of that main that really adds value um, and can make you wolf it down quicker. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm wary to stretch the analogy too far, but I'm going to do it anyway. So say you put like the wrong spice on the meal like you've you've put too much salt or something's gone wrong and coriander oh yeah i mean something's gone common one something's chaotic is there times when prop tech solutions can just be really wrong i've read something about them being disruptors or anti-disruptors and i didn't fully understand so i wanted to ask you now like where does prop tech fit in terms of always being helpful or is it sometimes a really bad idea like coriander for example (laughs) <laughs> yeah i want to say i really like coriander just saying for some people very anti-coriander <laughs> i think i think um when it comes to that and working out whether or not it could be the wrong spice um it's very much come, it very much comes down to and i'll, I'll stop making analogies to, to the food but it very much <laughs> comes down to the initial due diligence and selection uh process and and you know property companies should be careful and make sure they're not just going straight to selecting one prop tech supplier because they've heard it's good or because they like the the interface, but they're doing a proper market analysis and selection process whereby they're viewing, you know, a few tools that are out there. Uh, and also it is really helpful to draw on initially the research of some of the prop tech bodies that are you know, publishing useful insights on not just the added value of prop tech companies, but also things like funding, how many years they've been in place, types of clients. Examples are Unisu. Uh, you know, they publish regular reports on the industry, uh, focusing in on different prop tech areas and the providers. And, and they have a, a large database um, linked to those aspects that I just mentioned behind those companies. So yeah, really important to do upfront due diligence, then run a careful selection process, really test the products as, mu- as much as you can. And of course, there has got to be a bal- fine balance there because, you know, when we say prop tech, we can often mean smaller solutions, smaller budgets than some of those larger property systems projects. So, of course, it has to be managed efficiently at the same time because, you know, you're obviously going to spend time carrying out that due diligence, investing resources into testing the solution. So there is a fine art there, but it's about looking at the right elements, getting the right people in that understand the tools and also understand, just as importantly, the client's requirements and processes so, Joel, yeah. sorry, can I jump in? Because we've had yeah, a ahead. similar discussion to this before, Joel, and we talked about some of the prop tech offerings which appear, which are effectively some technology which isn't and was never intended just for property, but people can go, oh, you can apply this to a, a real estate situation and we're going to call it a prop tech solution. Is that something which is still happening or are you seeing less of that or is that still a challenge? Uh, I think uh, definitely clients need to be careful of that uh, and it definitely can happen. And that's why you need sort of subject matter experts, opinions and support to make sure that that isn't happening. And, and also people who understand the prop tech market really well that can sift out, you know, those just general tech suppliers uh, who, who are trying to reface themselves as a, a property type solution from those that actually work with property companies. However, 
again, it depends on what the objective of the project is, because equally, you can get some prop tech companies or well, those that call themselves prop tech companies that are actually tech companies, but that can still be really good because the technology is so powerful and they come from a tech background as opposed to a uh, property one. And in some areas, when we talk about you know, AI efficiency, for example, and also a bit on the data side and data management, that, that can, they can still perform well. It's largely, so it largely comes down to, again, what are the objectives of the projects and, and where does the client want to add value? But when we talk about things like surveying or those core property activities, facilities management and so on, of course, you need to be aware and skeptical as to what the background of the company is. And I'd say even when it comes to uh, the realm of, of customer management as well, which is a, a, a big area within PropTech that rears its head occasionally and is, is very popular today. We need to be very careful in sifting out those that have no property experience at all from those that actually do have surveyors on board and some experience because I, I think customer relationship management is a key area within property today that you need to understand buildings, communities within buildings uh, and the relationships between landlords and tenants. So. I think that's something really interesting, like drawing the technology from the people who know about it, who are the technology people, and bringing that into the the property industry is a really kind of revolutionary, it's probably a bit strong, but a really good plan. However, one of the things I know, Joel, we've discussed before is property is quite a quirky industry. One of the the best quirks is um, the fact that there are uh, laws relating to property. And different jurisdictions require different kinds of reporting and different things like that. And so it is just checking that the systems, uh, that your prop techs are not your systems, that they have that capability to react. Uh, for example, even across the border of England and Wales and England and Scotland, there are slightly different rules. No, definitely. I think actually, just to add to that point, the answer really largely comes down to what are the capabilities of that individual supplier? And you have to look at it on an individual supplier basis. So, for example, take budgeting and forecasting solutions. You can get solutions that actually, although they have you know, the property links and background knowledge, aren't actually that good in being flexible and enabling the appropriate structures for the client to take advantage of to suit their requirements. Whereas you can also get those that maybe are more of a finance-backed tech company that have that flexibility built in. And so it really comes down more to the functionality when, you know, in that area, as opposed to having the property knowledge. So as I say, it's very much on a, on a subject matter by subject matter basis as to where you should focus, you know, your attention in terms of, is this company going to satisfy our requirements or not? So on like a more, I guess, broad sense is PropTech, as everything we've talked about is saying, it's got so much traction now. But if we went 20, 30, 40, maybe even 50 years in the future, like, do you see it overtaking like systems as a space in the industry? Do you see it remaining the side and spice to these core systems? Like, what do you see as the future of PropTech? And like, maybe where would it make really great change? Uh, I, good question. I see it as being part of the same community and environment as core systems. And already we're moving into that now. Uh, I do see it being a lot more integrated within, you know, as being a part of day-to-day property routine and core business functions as well. I mean, of course, we know in general, IT is an important function for all property companies as is at the moment. But PropTech specifically is definitely growing in terms of property companies are now setting up direct vehicles to invest in prop tech, uh, not just property, 
within them. Um, you know, the likes of Knight Frank have been doing that, but also they are focusing their resources more on the use of PropTech for their own benefits internally as a company as well. And we've also seen a growth in the venture capitalist space in terms of raising investment for prop tech companies. So given that whole wave and also prop tech no longer just being a, do we want to think about prop tech when it comes to change and improvements projects, but actually becoming a, you know, an initiative that prop tech can definitely help us. How can it help us? I feel that we're moving further along the curve in, you know, reaching that, wholesome environment between IT systems, property activities, and then prop tech surrounding it all. Mm. But I do think that it will always be a support system as opposed to the main focus when it comes to IT projects for property companies, and that they'll still rely on those core systems, but there'll be more of a relevance on the prop tech that supports it. Uh, and at the moment, we're particularly seeing that in, in the areas of data management with uh, the growth of asset management systems and data warehouses as well that feed off the data that sit within the core property systems that companies use. Yeah, that's really interesting. And from what you're saying, it sounds very much like when you're saying we're like moving along the arc of it, that people are getting more on board. And if people are often like the stumbling block in making these changes that can help, if people are getting more on board, then surely that's good news all around. Uh, yeah, definitely. And that's where, you know, we see change management as being a key influencer in the space. And, you know, you can't just get one or two people on board. Everyone has to really be on board all the, you know, at least the vast majority of stakeholders in a, in a key technology change project. And it has to come from top down. So the initiative has to be led and, and be bought into by the senior board, uh, even including the, those representatives of finance, which we know is a key area for the support and funding of any change and improvement projects i think um joe it's really interesting that you said it has to come from top down obviously there's sponsorship and things like that needed but i know what we've tried to do in our projects when we're introducing new technology especially things like prop tech that i know sometimes gets a bad rap as just sort of a nice to have not really necessary is we do don't we we talk to people at all levels in the organization to try and get that kind of web of ownership because a lot of these solutions have such exciting things that they can do and can really free up people's time make them be more efficient make them able to devote more time to the bits of the job that they actually like and so we try and show them what they're after to get everyone on board, not just senior management. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. And of course, I've been involved in all these sorts of projects whereby, you know, we have um, dedicated sessions with some of the day to day property management team amongst clients to gauge their appetite for change, then uh, gather their requirements and talk to them about the different technology solutions that are out there, rather than just saying, here's a solution, show them the range of options, understand if they've looked at any, understand if they like any, and then take it from there so that you know, you're really holding their hand throughout the process. I feel like we've almost come like full circle. Like So yeah, there's so many options with PropTech. It seems that there's so much room for growth. There has been so much growth. And the real key is making sure that it's done properly. If you're going to use them, do your research, talk with your clients, work out what they really want and what it can do for them to make sure that you don't just get a nice shiny toy that actually doesn't work. Just to conclude on that, I, I would say, make sure you're doing your market research before you just go out. And buy a tool, as I say, a prop tech tool. Make sure you have your requirements clearly defined and some form of agreement amongst teams that are going to be making a change to their day-to-day routines and, and using these systems that they are actually bought in early on. 
and uh, also make sure you know you're looking at not just the solution itself that's being presented to you but also the supplier teams which is key to understand you know what they're like how helpful are they are they going to be hands-on are they going to support you throughout the implementation and beyond or are they going to just drop in a solution and run because they're oversubscribed also what's their pipeline of development like and and their track record of clients in the space uh, against competitors in whatever it is you might be looking at that's joel's prop tech top tip yeah some good exactly. advice there good advice <laughs> thank quite you a, very much joel you're welcome. <laughs> I know I've, I've been practicing saying that for days. Um, <laughs> thank you so so much um, for joining us, and um, get you can get back to your prop tech. Thanks, John. You're welcome. Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure, everyone, and uh, have a good afternoon. Okay, so we're at that part of the podcast again, Cat for Cat's cliche. And so, what is the cliche for this month? Well, I've got to confess, it's not really a cliche so much as Cat's um, stayed advice corner. But the one I'm going for is uh, don't go shopping hungry. Oh, good advice. So the reason I've chosen it is it, it does relate to today's podcast. But before before I tell you how, I, I want, I'm sure that everyone has been in this situation where you head off to the shops, you've not got a list, you are feeling a bit peckish and you maybe you go to the big Sainsbury's or other supermarket and it's all a bit, you know, bright lights. It's all very exciting. And you come home, you think, gosh, I've done such a good shop. I spent so much money. And then you look at what you've bought and you've bought like, I don't know, a charcuterie board, a bottle of wine, three different types of prawns and nothing you actually need to make a meal. And you've forgotten to get milk. You've forgotten to get bread and you've forgotten to get, you know, the basics, the basics. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think of some basics Show, shows me that I should have had a list. Um <laughs> So, so that's, that's the scene that I want you to imagine. And I want to kind of draw the parallel with going shopping for prop tech, because if you go and look at all of the really exciting, innovative solutions out there, you could well end up with an all singing or dancing system that does absolutely nothing that you need it to do, but does have a really fancy dashboard. So that's, and that's touched on a lot of what Joel has said earlier about you know, making sure that you've got your specification, your functional and your non-functional requirements and things like that, because otherwise you're going to go prop tech hungry. So don't be fooled by the bright lights. Don't be fooled by the bright lights. Yeah, that's that's actually a cliche that I could have used instead of my supermarket analogy. I'm here to help. Andrew Barber saving cats cliche one <laughs> month at a time. Yeah. Good. Okay. Well, thank you once again for the time you've taken today to help put this podcast together thank you to emily thanks to cat thank you very much and as always um all of the links will be attached to the podbean upload of this podcast and if you want to get in touch about anything that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast or if you'd like to feature or if you've got any suggestions for our esg episode um please do get in touch with me on twitter at remit cat or drop me an email okay see you both soon Bye. Bye. Bye.